Hey, my name is Philip Craig. I'm the pastor here at Aria Church. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope this podcast empowers you, hope it fuels your faith, and hope it impacts your life. Enjoy the message. You know, I was thinking about the Holy Spirit, and sometimes I forget that maybe depending on your background, whether you're unchurched, you were atheist before, Catholic, traditional church, whatever it was, um, everyone's come from a different background, and I do understand that your background sometimes makes you think, is this going weird? I liked our church for a while, but are we going weird now? And good news, we're not going weird, but sometimes weird things happen. And uh, God is not weird, the Holy Spirit is not weird. Uh, Sometimes people are weird. Can I get an amen to that? And sometimes it's weird people are Christians, so they're weird Christians, and that's okay. Uh, It takes all types, sizes, personalities, and sometimes we don't get other people, and that's okay too. Um, But one thing I realized as I was thinking about it, maybe some people's filter in here, uh, we've maybe been put off by the Holy Spirit because we've seen some things that we just don't understand, don't get. Or maybe you've been in environments, churches even, that have went a bit, a bit extreme, maybe off balance. And I kind of realized, I was talking to my friend Craig Cooney, uh, he pastors a church local to here, and we were talking about this, and he was kind of encouraged me, he should do a series on Holy Spirit, so I've taken uh, some of the things we've spoke about, and, uh, and he's given me, uh, and tried to infiltrate some of those topics. We go for a lap around the lakes, and just kind of talk, and chat, and and have some really interesting conversations. And he was, we were kind of talking about how, you know, there's definitely some churches that, that go all Holy Spirit, but they leave the Bible out. They kind of, their pendulum's swinging over here, and it can be a bit weird. It can be all about the experience and the emotion and the feeling, but there's really no depth to it. Ask them to quote a few verses, and they know very little. But then you've got the other, maybe more traditional churches, which are all based on the Bible, which is great, all based on truth, but yet there seems to be no power. And the good news is that we should have both. The good news is, as a church, we are aiming to to be solid in Scripture, to not be liberalized or or be fluffy or airy-furry, to be sound in doctrine, we're not trying to change anything of the early church or going with whatever flow culture or whatever journey culture is bringing us on. We're going to be solid, rock solid. But at the same time, we're not going to discount the Holy Spirit. Even if something or we've experienced something weird, we're not going to just throw the baby out with the bathwater. And I think that's the reason why some people have discounted the Holy Spirit is because some things maybe were off balance. I remember hearing about a particular denomination that, that are open to the Holy Spirit but they, they, were, they were launching, they were experiencing a bit of revival. They didn't really understand what it was. And they were about to launch uh, multiple churches. And before they got the first one up and running, they realized, well, we tried, to, we tried to build this church on the prophetic. And it nearly killed us. Because sometimes the prophetic is, is in part. Actually, all the time it's in part. The Bible says there's things on the earth that we'll only know in part. A prophetic word, when someone gives you a word of encouragement or, or pr- prophecy, it's in part, they don't know the full picture, and if they're claiming to know it, there's probably pride in the mix, and you need to run. <laughs> but 
But that's why we're not supposed to find ourselves on things like that. They're a supplement to the church. They're there to help encourage the church, the people, to move forward in the things of God. But, but we find ourselves on Jesus, the cornerstone, what he has done on the cross. And, and that's the rock-solid doctrines and teachings that we, we stand upon, which are movable and never change. Can you get an Amen. But on top of that, God knows that we need power, and we're going to talk about that today. So we learned last week that the Holy Spirit is a person. It's not just a, a weird kind of entity that we can't see, and it's just Casper, the friendly ghost, or something like that. It's a person. Holy Spirit is He, it talks about in the Scriptures. Number two, Holy Spirit is God, of equal power with God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, when we baptize people in water. Uh, they're all of the same power, but of different roles. So the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is God. But the Holy Spirit also teaches. The Holy Spirit also convicts, guides, um, can be lied to. So we can kind of know the Holy Spirit's saying something. We can actually lie to the Holy Spirit. Um, it has a, the Holy Spirit is a mind, the mind of Christ. And the Holy Spirit also intercedes for us when we pray. And so as we looked at the Holy Spirit and, and who the Holy Spirit is and the, di the dynamics and the characteristics of the Holy Spirit, we also realized when we looked to the disciples, there was something interesting because we've seen the disciples who were following Christ, who were, who were what we would call a Christian, but they were competing with each other as disciples. Uh, they were trying to change Jesus' Jesus's plan. They were cutting off ears. And Jesus even said to his disciples at one point, one of them, get behind me, Satan. They were falling, they were failing, they weren't very courageous, they were denying. Remember, we heard that story about Peter denying Christ three times. When Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he asked them to sit and wait in prayer for him as he was going through excruciating emotional pain at the task which was in front of him, they fell asleep. This is the before the Holy Spirit. This is before the Holy Spirit came as Jesus promised when Jesus wanted them most, they ran away. Jesus had already told them and promised them that, hey, I'm going to rise again. They couldn't get it. Their eyes were closed. It didn't make sense. They didn't have revelation without the Holy Spirit. They couldn't fulfill the mission without the Holy Spirit. And it's a bit like us, maybe some of you in here, you're like, yeah, I would probably deny Christ if I'm honest, if I was under pressure, if death was on on my doorstep, or I was being challenged even by a friend at work, I, I, if I was under a certain amount of pressure, I probably wouldn't stand up. Or maybe you'd say, I'm a follower of Christ, I'll come to church, I'll be around some people, but I really don't have, I feel I'm too embarrassed to talk about Jesus. Uh, if there was evangelism on the table and I had to go out into the community, I, I, I would shy away. Or maybe when you're being obedient to God in maybe different areas of your life, whether it be spending time with Him, prayer, finances, whatever it is, the areas that you struggle with the most, you would say, right, I, I, I kind of get it, but I'm just, I can't do it. Or maybe it's your sexuality, maybe it's, it's uh, when it comes to obedience in, in the areas of, of relationship, you're like, yeah, kind of acknowledge that. I, I know that's a thing, but I don't really want to apply that. Um, kind of happy with my method and my way of doing things. And, and so this is probably where the disciples were before 
before the Holy Spirit came, they were struggling. They weren't the A team. They were like the C team. They were, they were problematic as followers. You probably weren't, if you were going to put bets and invest in, in anything, you probably wouldn't have been investing in Christianity at that point in time before the Holy Spirit came because these guys are not convincing <laughs> me, not convincing anyone that there's really anything significant here at all. I think one of the first places we've got to realize before we start on this journey of understanding the Holy Spirit, receiving the Holy Spirit, experiencing the Holy Spirit, we have to realize that when Jesus came in the Old Testament, it was, it was all about external. It was all about, you know, the temple was outside. The, the price of sin and all of those failures that, that the disciples were making in the Old Testament was a lamb sacrifice, and it was temporal. It wasn't permanent. It, it was just for a while. And then they were going to have to make a sacrifice for their sin to deal with the sin issue again and again and again. Why? That was just maintaining relationship. It wasn't about um, becoming the church. It wasn't really about uh, going to all the world. That hadn't happened yet. In the Old Testament, they were just about trying to maintain a relationship, just about. And that's why they needed sacrifice. But when Jesus came, the Bible says in John 1, it says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That means he came and dealt with sin forever. So all, all of a sudden, all of this ritualistic, trying to maintain, trying to just survive, and keep your head above water, relationship with God has been dealt with. The sin, is, the sin problem is over. And there's a transition from external to internal. To trying to see God on the outside to God wanting to invade the inside which was always his plan. He's trying to bring us back to that place like it was in the Garden of Eden where sin didn't have a grip. I remember when I was younger, I sinned against my parents. Can you believe it? I sinned against them. I'd done wrong. I'd actually messed up my room. I've told this before. I cut the carpet. I was like, it was new carpet. We were in the house about a week. I cut, I actually, I can't even tell you the whole story. Well, I can. It's sunny outside. I was trying to put the sun in. You know, the, squirt the lemon juice in your hair to try and, I thought orange would be good and, because it would turn orange because my hair's brown. And uh, it wasn't a good look for me. But I went for it anyhow and everyone was doing it at school. Got the hairdryer. Because there was no sun at that time. And I left the hairdryer on the carpet <laughs> and it, it melted the carpet. So I thought, I'm dead. So I thought, right, let's get strategic here. Let's get creative. There's a bit of spare carpet in that wee cupboard. Let's cut, this, cut the new carpet on the floor out and put a new piece in and try to sew it up a little bit. And then as soon as I'd done that, I fled to another country. And we, you know, I fled to the current playing fields and sat and, and just thought about how dead I was gonna, I had become. I, I'm a dead man walking. <laughs> And that's what happens when we're carrying sin. When we're, if we're really honest, when we realize that, yeah, my, my parents done a good thing, they're good people, they're good to me, but I have sinned. In the same way, God is good, He is perfect, He is holy, I have sinned here. Why would God want to talk to me? Why would God want to be in me? Why? Subconsciously, we, we, we run. What happened in the Garden of Eden? They ran like I ran. They wanted cover cover up. I went into the, the forest to hide. They, they were 
looking for leaves and all sorts to hide because they had shame. They were exposed. And I think it's so central that we understand that Jesus has dealt with our covering, our shame. We're covered for all eternity when we become a believer. That's good news. And so we don't have to run, but we got to get that into our spirit, into our heart. Jesus has taken away all sin. The sin barrier has been removed. So the new covenant is now about coming on the inside, and this is what we're talking about when we talk about the Holy Spirit. So it goes on to say in Acts, this is the early church, and this is where the whole Holy Spirit thing happens. The day of Pentecost says in Acts 1, 4, and 5, and then I'm going to talk about uh, verse 8 as well. It says, do not leave Jerusalem, this is Jesus, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, so water baptism, if you need to get water baptized, if you're saved and you're water baptized, let me know. We're going to do a water baptism in the summer. It's important you do it. Um, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you will, be, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. That word baptized is bapto in the, in the original language, and it basically means to be submerged. Submerged in the water. And then verse 8, it goes on to say, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. See, you will receive power to go. You will receive power to do the work. The problem now that you're having is you don't have power. You don't have what it takes to actually step up. And that's why you look like the C team and not the A team. That's why Christianity doesn't look very promising right now because you lack power. Turn to your neighbor and say, you need power. So Acts 2, verses 1 to 4. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Today's message is called the before and the after. Let's pray. God, I just pray and thank you, Father, that we all have a before, but God, you've promised us an after. I pray today, Father, that we would have that transition from before to after. And people in here have never experienced that, God. Father, that you would start to use this teaching to cultivate the heart, to allow them to experience power that they've never experienced before. Holy Spirit, I pray that you move and help me to speak your word in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. See, it's okay if you're in the before. It's okay if you've never experienced this because here the disciples were in that exact position when they were seated at the table, hanging out with each other, and then one day it changed. One day it changed. You see, what happened before is the disciples were timid and they were frightened and now they became bold and courageous. Before they were, they were doubting and in despair. And now they have an amazing faith that's ready to go to the ends of the earth. And God can now do anything through them because they're after. Before they were ready to give up, now they can't wait to get out there. Because of this day at Pentecost, because of this moment 
something shifted in their heart, something shifted in their spirit, they've changed. The Holy Spirit filled them and they'll never be the same. You see, there's new power, new boldness, new confidence, new assurance, and new life. The life that Jesus had promised. Question is, do you have the same power? Is it still available? And have you possessed it? Because if we're just going to sit over here and just be Bible-believing Christians and kind of ignore these central themes and parts of the Scripture, well, we might stay in the before and just live a life that's kind of just routine. It's just acknowledging, right, that's good, that's, that's good to hear about, that's good to know, but it's, it's not me. But here we have, there's a promise and the promise isn't just for the disciples, the apostles. The promise is for the church. There's verse after verse. There's chapter after chapter all through the New Testament where this Pentecostal power, it's not just for Pentecostal churches. <laughs> you don't have to have Pentecost in the name of your church before Pentecost is available. Can I get an amen? It's not like those people just own it. But there is something about it. If you actually look throughout Europe, a lot of the churches that are gaining ground are Pentecostal churches. There's something in it. And in Poland, there's a big church in, in Warsaw, and it's the first church that, that even a lot of the Catholic, I think the Catholic church would even acknowledge that that's an official church, because they always thought the rest of them were cults in the same way we, we would probably do the, the other side. But it's Pentecostal. They had some sort of power to drive through resistance, drive through rejection, and see people come to faith in Christ. You know, you know I think about, um, you know, there's a big craze at the minute with, with hot, or not hot tubs. Um, <laughs> what are they called? Ice baths. Everyone loves an ice bath, and everyone's going into the sea for an ice bath, and because there's some sort of revitalization effect that it has on our body, and you get froze, but then you come out alive. And honestly, I, to be honest, I like it, but I hate it, but I like it. And I don't like the before, but I do like the after. I remember the first time I'd done this was in the, the leisure center in Lisburn, and just incredible. They had this plunge pool, it was freezing, but they also had these... Uh, reclining seats that were heated, and I would always fall asleep, but I had to go into the cold pool first, but I would come out revived, relaxed, my body was just completely relaxed, and then I started getting into this where, where I got a cold pool out the back and got the hot tub, and now it's a cold pool too, don't even use it as a hot tub, I was in it yesterday, the day before that, the day before that, the day before that, and the beauty about it is it, it helps me to recover, it helps me to come alive, but the problem I have is when I get in. I'm not the kind of guy that gets in kind of like, you know, bombs in, bombs away. I'm the kind of person that gets in like toe, right, let's wait for a few seconds, let myself adapt, and then right leg, knee height, wait for about a minute, right, I'm starting to numb up a bit now, so that's good, it feels a bit more comfortable, the other leg, uh, and then, okay, we're going to the waist, oh, and it's kind of awkward because, oh, my, my back's hurting a wee bit here, but hey, it's too cold. And then I'm just waiting for my body to adapt, and it honestly takes me about 10 minutes just to get in submerged. And if we're honest, when it comes to the Holy Spirit, a lot of us are the same. 
some of us are saying, I don't really want to go in because it makes me vulnerable. I feel a wee bit awkward if we get and kind of go and ask for prayer at the back or go to the, one of the, the worship nights and they're kind of talking about feelings. I'm feeling emotional. Whoa, 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 whoa. I don't want to, I want to, I don't want to cry in front of people. I remember one of the guys in our Holy Spirit night at Alpha, he came to our church thinking, oh, I went to some of those churches, and they're kind of more the Holy Spirit side of things, just weird, just weirdos, screwing the light bulbs and hands in the air and all this kind of weird stuff, and someone weird stuff at the back, and I don't want, I'm coming to R8. Oh, that's great, I'm glad you feel comfortable here. And then on the Holy Spirit night, honestly, <laughs> he went through the Alpha course, and the Holy Spirit night came, and literally I just went to pray for him, and he just broke down in tears, and he's like, oh, my word, I've become one of those guys. I'm one of them. I'm the guy I didn't want to become. But, but it wasn't really weird. It was just that his heart had opened, and he, he says, all I experienced that night was I experienced love like I've never felt it. What if the Holy Spirit was just love like you've never felt it? What if it was just the opening of your heart to understand that God's love is actually it's greater than you've actually imagined? It's maybe more than any earthly love that you can experience. It actually is so loving and so caring, and it's for you even in the good and the bad, through your suffering, it helps you to endure. It's, it's that kind of love that you're never alone. What if it was the Holy Spirit was the kind of deep love that helped you to become more like Christ, become a better human being? It, it left you never the same. No matter what the struggle is, if you let the Holy Spirit in, He gives you the answers you require to get through. I'm not saying he gives you everything you want, because no, no good parent would do that. But you become a better version next year of who you were last year. I truly believe that. I truly believe if somebody walks with God through whatever they're going through, you will be a better version of yourself if you do it with the Holy Spirit. But how many times do we get beat up by life because we haven't given the Holy Spirit any room any opportunity. We're running on empty, and we're trying to do it ourselves, and we end up just blaming people. And so whether you get into the pool very slowly, or you bomb in, the Holy Spirit is available. And let's go at your own pace. But why would you not receive help if help is available? Can I get an amen? See, so many of us, we want God at a safe distance where we don't really have to listen we don't really have to talk too much. I'll just kind of, that's why we like rule books. I'll just kind of do ritual. Why, do, why does the church always fall into ritual? Because we don't, we don't want God too close because it feels vulnerable. What if God asks me to go and talk to someone? Oh, let's, let's be honest. God is asking us to do all kinds of things, but we're not listening. And it's not because he wants to hurt us. He wants to, to make life exciting. He wants to fulfill that joy that you've always wanted. He wants to give you the dreams of your heart, but, but they're God dreams and they involve helping people. They're not selfish dreams, but it makes your life alive and come to life. You're not just living to build an empire or build something that doesn't last a crack when it comes to eternity. The Holy Spirit is ready. How many people have you seen a Christian, they call themselves a follower of Christ, but they're rude, they're angry, they're bitter. They don't forgive. I've even seen people who speak in tongues, <laughs> but they live like the devil. What's that about? There's something not right. Something's off balance here because if it's really the Holy Spirit at work, you need the Word of God. You need the Spirit of God 
working together, grace and truth, spirit and truth, and you should become a better, more loving version of yourself. I don't, I don't mean loving as in anything goes. I mean loving as in you're not afraid to challenge in a nice way. You've got compassion. Your heart is soft, but you've also got a shield to protect you against persecution. We become better. So many times, oh, I'm a Christian, but I kind of, you know, the sex thing, I kind of do it. I think I've got a better idea than God. <laughs> or my identity, you know, the, the world is so, it's struggling right now. It needs loving, caring people to present and challenge people with truth. If they're open. It's not we're going to go out and beat people up and tell them how wrong they are. We, we love the sinner, but we, we despise the sin. Why? Because sin destroys and wrecks people's lives. See, some of us, we've left Egypt, but we're, 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 we're happy for, for Egypt just to, to have its way on us. It's just living in us. We're out of Egypt, but we still got the same old mentality. I remember talking to a friend just recently, just about how in, in certain areas, there's, there's, there's a, a certain area where people live, and, and the, I think it's like 50% of the people are employed, and there's drugs, and it's a toxic environment in a way. And often, the best way to get people to move forward from those areas is to bring them out of it, bring them out of the toxic relationships, the toxic mentality, to renew their mind so that they can start to relearn a different value system, relearn that you don't have to be addicted to be successful. You don't have to be um, hanging around on a Saturday night in certain places to be valuable, to be, to be accepted. And so sometimes we've got to get out, but we also get it, got to get that place out of us, that mentality out of us. Maybe you've came from a place where they don't believe in the Holy Spirit. Well, maybe it's time to come out of that limited mindset and look at the Scripture and challenge the belief. Is that right? Is that, was that right? And that's why it's good to read the Bible for yourself. Maybe you've asked Jesus in your, your life, but nothing has really changed. There's no inner transformation. There's no heart change. Listen, that's okay. But don't stay there. Challenge the belief. Why? Why, why am I cold? Why am I not motivated? There's something wrong in my belief. There's something wrong. There's something blocking away. Forward. I remember when, for, for years, with dating, I, I never wanted to commit. <laughs> I, I, was, I wanted to be in control. Why? Because I, I wouldn't get hurt then, but I also wouldn't experience love. I wouldn't experience what it was to be in a rich, loving, sacrificial relationship. And it wasn't until my lovely, I'm not saying a lovely wife, she doesn't like that. It wasn't until I met Anna that I realized in order for me to, to get and see God's best in this relationship, I have to go all in. Whether it's going from my toe at a time, and my knee, and my hip. But eventually I've got to get submerged into this relationship for it to work properly. Can I get an Amen. And that's the same with God. If you want to see God work in your life, come alive in your heart, it's not, going to be a it's not going to be staying out of the plunge pool. It's going to be getting into the plunge pool time and time and time again. What happens is He revitalizes your soul, your mind, your spirit. He keeps you in line. He keeps you alive. See, Jesus didn't die on the cross just to be added to your life. He wants all of us. Listen, it's your choice. 
But what we say is it's, it's our life, but it's God's way. You've still got choices. You've still got dreams. You've still got talents and abilities. God's not out there trying to steal from you. He wants to give you, but he can't give you until he gets you. So it goes on to say in John 20, 21 to 22, it said, again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And with, with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. See, what had happened here, they were Christians, but they hadn't received the Holy Spirit. They were followers. They were churchgoers. They would have said they were believers, but they hadn't received the Holy Spirit. As soon as they received it, he said, go. See, we all need a personal Pentecost. We all need that moment in our life. And listen, if you haven't been there, it's okay. But we all need it. We all need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, not just once. It's not just a one-off occasion. It's a time and time and time again. We need both. The Holy Spirit Church and the Bible Church, we need those both combined together. It says in 1 Corinthians 12 and 3 that no one can be a Christian without having the Holy Spirit. So you don't need to freak if you haven't had this experience that, that oh, no, I'm not sure I'm a believer. No, you're okay. Just like, the, just like the disciples, they hadn't had this experience. They were still believers. They were still, eternity was still dealt with, still secured, all that stuff. It's, that's not the deal here. The deal is about power. The deal is about fullness. The deal is about God actually doing something with you, in you. The, God, the deal is about us actually being effective as followers. That's the deal. See, come on, every so often you've got to break a wee prop out, a wee Stephen Graham prop. Let's go. <laughs> See, a lot of us, when we get saved, we're filled. We are. We have access to the Holy Spirit. The veil was torn on the death of Pentecost. But we're only about a third, maybe a quarter full. Just like this bottle. So, so we're kind of like, oh, there's not much in here. I have, not, I have nothing to give away. <laughs> this is for me. Just enough. And, and so the problem is we go around life and we're... we're a quarter full. We got a little bit when we get saved. You know, we experienced a little bit. But the problem is God didn't want us just to experience a little bit. It was just the beginning. It was just the start. He wants us to go deeper and to find more. So, so God's idea was to not just um, be, it didn't say be quarter full. It didn't say be half full. It says be filled. It didn't say just be half submerged. Sorry for those of you who've been sprinkled. When you're baptized, it says be submerged, baptized. Bapto in the original language means to be fully dipped. So if you've been sprinkled, come on, let's go. We will dip you fully. That is symbolic is that God wants to fill you fully, head to toe. And so instead of just being like this, God has actually sent, says, wait, disciples, you don't have the power to give anything. You've just enough to follow me. You're kind of, you're losing power, you're losing energy, you're tripping, you're falling, you're denying me. Wait, don't move, don't panic. Wait on the day of Pentecost because the Holy Spirit is coming and when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to fill you to the brim, to overflow. You're full, but there's still more available. Why? Because the Holy Spirit wants to pour 
you out. God wants to pour you out. So what do you do now? I'm feeling empty again. I don't feel like going to church again. I don't feel excited again. I don't feel like being a good husband or a wife anymore. I don't feel like getting married. I was engaged. I'm not sure. Oh, my goodness. I'm not feeling like, you know, what's wrong with my emotions? You know what you do? You refill. I don't feel like serving again. You refill. I don't feel like praying again. You just refill. I, I, I don't feel like it anymore. I'm not sure about who I am anymore because I'm completely, I've emptied out. What do you do? You refill. Because God's source, it never runs out. The woman at the well, he says, I can give you a water that you'll never thirst again. It, it's, it's, there's a living well. There's, there's a heavenly well that just never runs dry. The problem is we run dry and we, our faith leaks, but God just calls us, come back to the place of worship, come back to the heart of worship, keep praying, stay in God's community, stay. What, what is the gift of prophecy we spoke about earlier? It's just refilling the tank. It's the body encouraging one another in part to say, keep going. I see God's hand on your life. Yes, there's doubts. What do you do? You refill. You get another word from God in your place of prayer. You do not give up. But if you don't understand the simple concept that God, you're, you're a bottle that leaks, you're poured out maybe in your family, at your workplace, you get tired, you get weary, and God has just called you time and time again to refill. Can you get an amen? It says in Luke 19, verses 1 and 2, while Apollos was a Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So they believed, they were saved, they became new creations, but they're like, what, the Holy Spirit? Who's that? Verse 3, it says, so Paul asked them, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Verse 4 to 6, Paul said, John's baptism was the baptism of repentance. There's a difference here. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is in Jesus. On hearing this, they, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. So, so what had happened is these people were believers, but they hadn't had a Pentecostal experience. And so what they were doing is, hey, you need to receive the Holy Spirit. It says in Ephesians 5 and 18, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. That word filled in its original language is a continual filling. It's not a one-off occasion. It's not a one-off situation. It's a continual refill the tank. Go back to prayer. Give God your heart. Let Him know what you're feeling. Let Him know what you're thinking. Allow Him space to speak as you listen. It's vulnerable. It can be hard to get over your flesh and your, your desire to control, but it will refill you and it will strengthen you. You know, some of us love a good drive in the car. Some of us just bought some new cars. I've seen them in the car park. And, and we enjoy I remember when I just got my test, I was just looking to go everywhere. Anyone want a lift? You know, I'll, I'll pick you up. I'll bring you anywhere. And then within about a week, I was like, I'm done. It's over. I'm over it. But, but you see, if you want to go somewhere in your car, 
the fuel always runs out. What do people do at the, at, at, at the fuel pumps? They're always refilling. Why? If they want to go somewhere, do something, see something, visit a friend, they have to refill. They have to strengthen the car, have to give it the fuel it needs to go. This is exactly like the Holy Spirit. Before they went in, what is the Great Commission? Go into all the world. Go. But before you go, you're going to need power. Before you're, you go, you need to fill the tank. Before you go, so let's be careful when we're serving. Let's be careful when we're at home. Let's be careful when we're at work. Listen, it's going to be very hard to be a good version of yourself if you're, if you're deflated, if you're chugging, if the engine's not working properly and you're only firing on a few cylinders. You're going to have to go back into the garage. And so we need to be fueled. And we need each other. And it's okay if you need to go into the garage too. That's what the church is. We're a garage. We got some mechanics in here. We got some people that can help you put some pieces back together. We all need a personal Pentecost. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. I hope it encouraged you. There's a few things I'd love you to do. I'd love you to subscribe to our YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify account. This is so you can keep up with our most recent material and messages. If this ministry has impacted your life and you'd love to help us reach others, you can do that right now by going to ariatchurch.org and giving now. Cannot wait to see you next week on the Ariat Church podcast.